Becky, that win tonight may not have come how you expected it, but you did pick up the win via disqualification, and you were heading to WrestleMania to face off against the Raw Women's Champion Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, in a triple threat match. Obviously, a lot has happened the past couple months to get to this moment, but you finally have what you want, your match at WrestleMania. Yeah, I have, uh, I have what I earned, right? I have what I've earned for the past not just few months, but for the past few years, what I've worked my ass off to get for the past few years. I have a, a title opportunity, but that should be a singles match. It should be a one-on-one -on -one at WrestleMania. But of course, some people uh, earn their opportunities, other, uh, others are handed them. And uh, from the get-go, from the get-go, the McMahon family didn't want me in the spot that I was in, but I was determined to get there, and I was going to find my way there, no matter what the extent. No, and and and. And I didn't really care how I got there. So I've been in Ronnie's head and we can see that Ronnie's going insane because she doesn't know what she wants. One minute she doesn't want me in the match, the next thing she does. The next thing she's trying everything she can to get me out of the match. But it doesn't work. And then she realizes, she realizes that if there is no Becky Lynch, then there is no main event. What's interesting, what's interesting about Ronda Rousey is she can't help herself, right? She is the most destructive person that I've ever seen in my entire life. Because if you watch the trajectory and her life, it's just been a playbook of how this was going to go down. She got to the Olympics, but she couldn't win the big one. She couldn't win the gold. And then when she was in MMA and everything was easy, she was on top of the world. But when she got knocked out, she crumbled and she couldn't take being top dog anymore. So when she came to WWE, and she did well for herself initially, but then somebody came along and they showed her that they were the man, that they run the place, that they're the top dog around here. And she can't handle it. She can't handle it. So she's going to self-destruct. And you're going to see that at WrestleMania. And I'm going to chase her out of WWE and take back what is mine. The bell is rung. Welcome to another edition of In Ring Reality. I, of course, am your host, Razman's Reality, and this is your WWE Fastlane 2019 pay-per-view review edition. As you just heard from the best promo in the business today, the man Becky Lynch, she was indeed victorious and has earned her way back into WrestleMania and her place against Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey. For the Raw Women's Championship, I cover that and everything else about Fastlane right here, right now. As you know, if you listen to the predictions episode, the pre-show was originally slated to be two matchups. It ended up only being one, as Andrade versus Rey Mysterio was changed to a fatal four-way rematch from SmackDown last week for the United States Championship between champion Samoa Joe, R-Truth, and Andrade and Rey Mysterio. So on the pre-show, we only got the one match of a new day as they defeated the team of Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev. This was a very difficult one to watch. Rusev and Shinsuke Nakamura have fallen so far from grace. Shinsuke Nakamura in particular, I never thought I would be at a point where I wasn't invested in Shinsuke Nakamura in WWE, but here we are. The lack of enthusiastic booking 
with him has pretty much taken away every bit of excitement that I have for this great wrestler. And that's a real shame. Xavier Woods, however, in this match looked amazing. He was made to be Captain Resilient. A lot of believable near falls in this match. And he was kicking out of everything. So the New Day looked very strong in the victory here. The main card of WWE Fastlane kicked off with the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match as the Usos defended their Tag Team Championship against the team of The Miz and Shane McMahon, and they walk out still. The SmackDown Tag Team Championship holders in a match that I thought was a very solid matchup. This was a lot of athleticism from all four men. The Miz and Shane McMahon really have developed into an interesting tag team chemistry for sure. I thought the coolest spot of this match, even if it didn't go off as intended or as smoothly, as intended was at one point Shane McMahon was going for a coast to coast when Jimmy Uso met him on the other side saying don't do it Shane don't do it. Jimmy Uso then went for a drop kick to try to meet Shane McMahon halfway and it was a double drop kick in midair and that was how that spot went. The finish of the match sees The Miz having the match won with the skull crushing finale but the referee was busy getting Shane out of the ring, so The Miz has to continue. The Miz is encouraged by his father, George, at ringside to go up to the top rope and attempt a frog splash. He does. He misses. One, two, three. The Usos, as I say, remain your tag team champions. Afterwards, the frustration is too much, and Shane McMahon, for the first time in years, is your WWE heel as he turns on The Miz in his hometown. It was a great, great moment to see. I'm so glad that The Miz remained face in this situation. He's actually really working well as a face. And as I say, Shane McMahon has not been a heel in years. So very hot angle to finish off the opening matchup. I was a little bit disappointed, though, by the lack of selling of the situation by George Mazanin. I know you're not a trained wrestler. You haven't been a performer in front of the camera for WWE before, George, but you've got to sell emotion as Shane McMahon, your so-called hero, is turning on your own flesh and blood. The SmackDown side of things continue as Asuka defended her SmackDown Women's Championship against the challenge of Mandy Rose, and no surprise, Asuka walks out of Fastlane still, your SmackDown Women's Champion. The interesting thing about this one was how it finished as Mandy Rose was attempted to be given a kendo stick by Sonya Deville and the ring apron was exposed in the process. Mandy Rose gets caught up in the ring apron before she is then defeated by Oscar. So it looked like they were trying to pin the blame of loss on this one on to Sonya Deville, sowing seeds for a possible breakup of the team of Manny and Sonya. A little bit surprising because they have so few women's tag teams already and they want the women's tag team championship to be a major thing in WWE going forward. Earlier on in the night during the pre-show, Kofi Kingston was told that the McMahon family wanted to see him about 
the WWE Championship match. After waiting through the entire pre-show and not getting anywhere, the New Day forced their way into the locker room. Vince is like, hey, Kofi, where you been? I've been waiting for the New Day. is like, Vince, he's been waiting for you. He deserves respect. He deserves his moment. Don't take this WWE Championship match away from him. Vince says, good. You know what? You're right. The WWE Championship match tonight is going to be in a triple threat match. And Kofi, if I were you, I'd get ready because that match starts right now. Kofi Kingston comes out to an absolutely insane hero's welcome of a pop and gets ready to compete for the WWE Championship only to be told by the ring announcer who was told by the referee that the WWE Championship match will take place later tonight. And Kofi Kingston is instead with the New Day Bard from ringside taking on in a handicap match the team of Sheamus and Cesaro the bar. And as such, I have to agree with the Cleveland crowd in attendance for Fastlane. This was boring. And in the end, of course, the bar get the victory over Kofi Kingston. Now, I get that the whole thing here is that Vince, for some reason, doesn't want Kofi Kingston to get a title shot. I get that they're trying to tell the major, I gotta overcome the odds story. I get all that. But it became really convoluted with what actually happened with the WWE Championship match later on in the night. So we'll cover that in more detail and my problems with this situation as we get to that matchup. Next up, the Raw Tag Team titles were on the line as the Revival. Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder defended their titles in a triple threat match against the teams of Aleister Black and Ricochet and Bobby Roode and Chad Gable. To no one's surprise, Roode and Gable were in this match to protect Black and Ricochet, who looked extremely strong, but did not come out the victors, as it would not have made any sense for them to come out the victors, as they are still part of NXT right now and are in the middle of a pre-recorded Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Therefore, the Revival to no one's surprise, retained their Raw Tag Team titles. The surprise was that this was an absolutely cracking match. I mean, this was an amazing matchup. The chemistry in particular between Ricochet and Aleister Black and The Revival was absolutely insane. If they at one point build to a one-on-one match between these two teams, yes, please, more, 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 Sign me up right now. This by far was the best match in all of Fastlane. And if you haven't seen Fastlane and for some reason are listening to this podcast only for the results, I highly recommend that this is the one match in Fastlane along with perhaps the main event that you would go out of your way to see. This is one of my favorite matches of the year so far. Tremendous job from everyone involved here in this Raw Tag Team Championship match. It even contained the spot of the night as Ricochet flipped over the entire top rope with a tope suicida. Just skipped over the top rope entirely from inside the ring. The athleticism of this guy is just unfreaking real. You're just at a United States Championship match was next as Samoa Joe defended against former champion R-Truth, Rey Mysterio, and Andrade, as we talked about 
at the top of the show. And as you would expect, all four men put on a great match once again. In the end, Samoa Joe passed out Rey Mysterio to retain the United States Championship. Joe looked like a dominant force as well. He should have this entire time. My real issue with this, however, was the fact that Rey Mysterio was made to tap out again. He's just looking really, really weak in his return to WWE. And I'm not really sure what the reasons are behind that choice. I'm hoping it really leads somewhere. As I was telling my friend Richie last night as we were talking on Instagram during the show. I'm hoping it really leads to him in a major program at WrestleMania. But I don't yet know if that's going to be the case. And therefore, it's a little frustrating. But the match itself was extremely solid and my third favorite match of the night. Sadly, as is sometimes the case with WWE pay-per-views, we went from one of the stronger matches of the evening to by far the weakest match of the evening. In my opinion, the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship match as the Boston Hub Connection, Bailey and Sasha Banks retained the women's tag team titles against the Samoan Slaughterhouse, the team of Nia Jax and Tamina. This thing was just sloppy, full of botches, full of difficult spots. You could really see all four women working hard to try and get the match on track, which is not something you want at all from a WWE pay-per-view in the least. The most interesting part of this match came Afterwards, and after the boss and Hawk connection retain and walk away from the match victorious, the Samoan Slaughterhouse do the typical eagle thing and beat down the faces, dominate over them, only to be confronted by Beth Phoenix, the WWE Hall of Famer, as the Glamazon was ringside for commentary. Beth gets in the faces of the two heels, only to be taken out by the team. Her good friend Natalia rushes down for the save and she gets dominated by the Samoan Slaughterhouse as well. So the very of course interesting implication coming out of this scenario is that the Glamazon will be coming out of retirement to team up with Natalia at WrestleMania against the Samoan Slaughterhouse. Now while I'm a huge fan of Beth Phoenix and this was completely unexpected and I like Natalia having a match on WrestleMania because she absolutely deserves it. I am so not a fan, as I've mentioned several times on the show, of Nia Jax and Tamina. They just continue to look so sloppy. Nia Jax has hurt so many people. I just don't think this is a good spot for Beth Phoenix to come out of retirement in. But it is what it is, and if they do make this match official, I'm sure they will do a decent job at making us kind of psyched up for the match. So we'll just have to wait and see where this goes. Next up, your WWE Championship match as Daniel Bryan took on Kevin Owens and Vince McMahon was indeed true to his word as this did become a triple threat match as the two men were joined by not Kofi Kingston but rather Mustafa Ali. WWE taking a huge risk here of having one of its strong baby faces turned on by the crowd. That did happen in the beginning as the crowd was extremely boisterous with their chance of 
We want coffee. We want coffee. We want coffee. Oh, match long. But in the end, Mustafa Ali, being the amazing worker that he is, manages to get the crowd on his side. This was a tremendous match between all three competitors. My second favorite match of the night by far. And Daniel Bryan walks out and remains your WWE champion. So are we indeed going to get Kofi Kingston getting his championship match at WrestleMania? I guess we'll all have to wait till tomorrow night to find out. Next up, it is the match featured at the top of the show. As you heard, the man Becky Lynch defeated the Queen Charlotte Flair in her matchup and has earned her way back to the Raw Women's Championship match that she should not have been taken out of in the first place. As Ronda Rousey shows up, continuing her unpredictable new character who just doesn't give a crap about anything to do with professional wrestling by participating in an obviously scripted wrestling storyline. Yeah, real good logic there, WWE. But she attacks Becky Lynch, kicking her, causing Charlotte Flair to be dehued and guaranteeing that the man will be in the main event at WrestleMania. Now, the problem here just is what the problem has been the entire time. This whole storyline should have been a blood feud, and even if you're going to insert Charlotte Flair into it, Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch have so much history that you could have easily continued with just the blood feud scenario. Suspension, fake leg injury, all this convoluted mess just is so unnecessary in this entire situation. And I was just so tired of seeing my Becky Lynch having to sell a bogus injured leg. I hope to God that this storyline reaches the conclusion of that ridiculous thing tonight on Raw. But the man has her championship match. That's all that matters. This was one of the poorest matches of the night because it just was Becky getting dominated because she shouldn't have been cleared to wrestle. Sure, but we got the end result that we wanted. So let's not be cynical. Let's remember that we can have nice things and let's just move forward. Next up, Elias was in the ring for what was a third, yes, a third concert segment on the night. I really don't know what WWE was thinking about having to fill time so much. These pay-per-views are long enough as they are for sure, but Elias was in the ring for a third song segment of the night. Lacey Evans comes down, does her catwalk gimmick once again for absolutely no reason. Then Randy Orton comes out of nowhere. Heal Randy Orton, mind you. And RKO's Elias for no reason, with an RKO out of nowhere. And AJ Styles hits Randy Orton with a phenomenal forearm, solidifying that these two are most likely going to have a match at WrestleMania, which is what they've been teasing over the last several weeks. That in and of itself is fine. I'm definitely okay with AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. It's something we haven't seen before. But how did AJ Styles know that Randy Orton was going to be out there if the crowd didn't know if it was an RKO out of nowhere. And as I said earlier, why is a heel Randy Orton attacking another heel 
Elias with an RKO out of nowhere. The whole segment made absolutely no sense at all. And finally, in your main event of the evening, it was the team of Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, and Bobby Lashley taking on Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, The Shield for one final time. This was everything you would expect this match to be. Just such a nostalgic, fun ride. These three men are always going to have the best chemistry together. The crowd was so hot for them as they should have been all night long. We saw the shield bomb through a table and we heard Seth Rollins very loudly and very audibly into the microphone at ringside and under the ring scream for one more effing powerbomb. So good job there Seth in a PG product but we did get the one more powerbomb Indeed, and two shield bombs later, the shield celebrate in victory and proceed to do the shield fist bump in the middle of the ring for what may truly be the final time. And they hug each other, they're crying, it really does make you believe that perhaps there is credence after all to Dean Ambrose possibly leaving after WrestleMania. And this hasn't been one big giant work by WWE. I really don't know where this is going, but it was an emotional thing to see in a very, very solid matchup overall for what it was. So, and just based purely on the fact that this was supposed to be one of the most predictable pay-per-views in a long time from WWE, it is a pure stopgap that shouldn't really happen between WrestleMania and Royal Rumble. Elimination Chamber for the most part is fine, but fast lane by far should definitely not be a thing. But despite all that working against it, WWE Fastlane ended up being a pretty decent show with a lot of great things happening in it and a lot of unexpected moments, perhaps even too many as it may have went too far the other way. Nonetheless, I have to give this pay-per-view if I was to use a 5 star rating system, a solid 3.5 out of 5 stars. This was a good show. Not a great show, but a good one. That's going to do it for today's show. I, of course, will see you tomorrow for the Raw Review Edition. As always, you can leave us a 5 star review on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts to help the algorithm and help the show get into more ears of more awesome wrestling fans like yourself despite whatever platform you might prefer to listen on. And you can subscribe to the podcast, if you haven't already done so, of course, on that preferred listening platform. And lastly, of course, you can get in touch with the program via email at Podcast, via Instagram at Podcast, or via Twitter at, at InRingRealPod. And as always, this has been your Razman's Reality Check.